Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I am Brenna. And this is Morning Murders, the show which three people of various looks and heights talk about murders of various kinds and altitudes. (laughs) I think that's the most accurate description of this show (laughs) ever been given. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like forcefully vague. Forcefully vague. I like that. (laughs) Intensely... Open-minded. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yes. I have no segue for that. Put <laughs> uh, that in your mug. Let's get into you it. You can put that in your mug and sip it. Sip it. it. And we are sipping uh, coffee today, yeah. and we are ready to listen to some really messed up stuff. I'm so well, excited, Amanda. Yeah, I got some messed up stuff. Right. Uh, have uh, either of you heard of a man named Jerome Brudos? <laughs> Nicole gave me a copy of The Anatomy of Motive by <laughs> her boy John Douglas uh, and Mark Olshaker. Uh, Olshaker? Olshaker? Sure. I don't know, but he gets a credit too. He does get a, um, he gets a credit. Yeah. But it's, it's real good. Like I started it on the plane and was like, just like sucking it up. It's It reads almost like a weird textbook. Uh, Like, I want to sit there and highlight it, but I know that people around me would be like, why is she highlighting about, like, different types of sociopaths? Whatever the mic. You can highlight. I'm going to do it. But he mentioned uh, Jerome Brudos in his book, and I was like, who? What? And I Googled him, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. Oh, snap. So settle in. Grab a sip. Let's talk about some weird shit. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Jerome Jerry Henry Brudos was born on January 31st, 1939 in South Dakota. He was the younger of two boys. However, his mother, Eileen, openly wished she had a daughter. Mm. She was known to constantly subject him to physical and emotional abuse. At the age of five, little Jerry came home with a pair of women's shoes. Oh, shit. I know who this is. Ah. Oh, my God. I do know who this is. <laughs> he, had found, he found this pair of shoes uh, in a junkyard and he started wearing them around the house. So, and the the shoes were, like, really ornate and, like, sparkly. And I guess his mother was a very modest woman. So this is, like, something he'd never seen before. So they were just, you know, sparkly. Mm -hmm. Um, So he started wearing them around the house. And when his mother saw them, she screamed at him to get rid of them. But instead, Jerry hid his precious under his bed and would take (laughs) them out and play with them in secret. You know, I mean, like, he didn't understand what was wrong about the shoes. He just knew that his mom yelled at him when he played with them. That's so mm-hmm. insane. Like, yeah, way to, way to force a kid right, right. into wanting the shoes no. more. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. So eventually she catches him uh, in the pair again, and little Jerry is forced to watch as his mother burns the shoes no, in front of him. No. This led Jerome to stealing women's undergarments from neighbors, uh, usually grabbing them off of clotheslines. This is, like, where it all escalated to. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia he tried to steal the shoes off of his first grade teacher. Yes. Yes, he did. He sure did. 
So the family moved to a few different cities in Oregon. At the first one, Jerry would go over to the neighbor's house to play with their son. And they would sneak into the house and play dress up with the teenage sister's clothes. Hmm. Cut to Jerome in his teenage years. He escalated to stalking local women, knocking them out, or choking them unconscious, and then stealing their shoes. At age 17, he lured a girl over to his house, telling her he could help her figure out who had stolen her undergarments. He leaves the room for a moment, puts on a ski mask, and proceeds to hold the girl at knife point. He makes her undress and then takes photos of her before running off. Then he walks back in without the mask and tried to tell the girl that it was some stranger and he was locked up in the barn the whole time. Oh, gosh. What? I wish you could see Bruno's face. He he pulled the whole, like, took the mustache off and was like, I'm, that's a different guy. Guys, look, I'm taking off my glasses. Wait, who who are you? I don't know who this guy is, but this one's Clark Kent. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. of course. Great. Oh, my God. So, so soon after this incident, Jerry was caught beating a girl profusely inside his car. A couple saw what was happening and luckily tried to stop him. He tried to tell them that, like, he wasn't the attacker, that he was he was helping her. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I was helping it her was by the other beating guy. her. Right, no, 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 some other guy. I I scared him off. Yeah. He ran that way. By, oh, no. by beating her also. And he was like, oh, I'm going to leave her alone. This other guy's beating her now. Like, that's not <laughs> how that works. Oh, the police were eventually able to get a confession from him. They went to his house and found women's undergarments, photos, and photography equipment. He was arrested for assault and battery and sent to the Oregon State Hospital Psychiatric Ward for evaluation and treatment. That was all from the woman in mm-hmm. the car. Uh, so believe it or not, he was actually allowed to attend high school during the day. Okay. Mm. So he would, yeah. 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 That's nice. Put kids at danger. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but during this time, Jerome would be diagnosed with borderline schizophrenia and eventually discharged. He graduated high school in the bottom 30% of his class, but still went on to give college and technical schools a try. He didn't graduate with a degree because his attendance was kind of all over the place, and he eventually dropped out and joined the Army in 1959. Man, how long could he last in the Army? I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) So barely six months later, that's about how long he lasted, he was discharged for, quote, bizarre obsessions. It seemed that he was having impure thoughts, and he brought that to the chaplain, who referred him to the army psychiatrist, and, well, whatever was said in those sessions must have been enough for them to think he needed to go. I like to think that he walked in and was like, we need to talk about the shoe situation here. Yeah. There are. The boots suck. Sucks. Like, Sucks. We, need, we need more heels. Yeah, we need more. Poor guy. I oh just always God. think of the uh, the scene in 30 Rock where Alec Baldwin's character goes to the confessional and then like a few <laughs> seconds later the priest is like running out and he's like they didn't prepare us for this at Harvard. <laughs> oh my God. So he moved back with his parents uh, in Corvallis, Oregon but he was living in their shed. Mm. Uh, One night, he followed a girl home and strangled her until she blacked out. He then stole her shoes and ran off. Some sources say he would sleep with the shoes. Jerry made a career change and began working at the Corvallis radio station. This is where he would meet his future wife, Darcy Metzler. Darcy's parents weren't super fond of Jerry, but when she became pregnant, they begrudgingly agreed to let her marry him. The new family moved around a bit and eventually settled in Portland, where Jerry got a job as an electrician. Darcy became pregnant with their second child, this time a boy. But Darcy wouldn't let Jerry be present at the birth of their son. 
Hmm. I couldn't find exactly why. However, real weird at that first one. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I wonder what he did at the first one. I, yeah, I, re- I mean, I looked. I could not find yeah. why. But However, it seemed that the rejection had a lasting effect on Jerry. He began to go back to his old ways of shoe and panty theft. Hmm. It eventually hit a peak in 1967 when Jerry sat outside and waited until a woman turned out the lights and went to sleep. He broke into her house and tried to steal her shoes. When she awoke and startled Jerry, he choked her out, raped her, stole her shoes, and fled the scene. But unfortunately, this was just the start of what terror Jerome Bruno's had in store for us. Take a long, slow sip and settle in, beans, because... Here come the murders! Here come the murders! <laughs> there they, and there they go. And there they went. <laughs> so Linda Slauson was just 19 years old when she went door-to-door selling encyclopedias. That's where she came across what looked like a family van with his wife and kids inside. Jerome feigned interest in what she had to sell and told her to come into his workshop so she can get her payment. He then struck her with a two-by-four and strangled her to death. Jerry undressed Linda's lifeless body and redressed her with clothes from his own collection. Hmm. He then sawed off her foot and kept it in the freezer, wearing a high-heeled shoe. He disposed of the rest of her body by throwing it over a bridge. Like, he faked having car trouble so that people wouldn't wonder why he was stopped there and ask him questions. So he just, like, put his hood up Uh, while he was disposing of her body. He's lucky no one went to go help. Yeah, Yeah, right? right? He's lucky people are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's counting on that. Jeez. Yeah, so he just chose this lady because he just assumed that she wouldn't have anyone around. How old was she, 19? 19. sucks. Encyclopedia salesman, man. In November of 1968, Jan Susan Whitney's car broke down on Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany. Jerry played the role of hero and offered to give her a ride to his home where he could call her a tow truck. Mm. But as soon as she was in the car, Bruno strangled Jan with a leather strap and proceeded to rape her. He kept her body hanging from a pulley in his garage for several days, during which he dressed, photographed, and had sex with her body. This time, Brudos cut off one of her breasts and made a resin mold of it that he used as a paperweight. Oh, it's the titty guy. It's a titty guy. All right. Afterward, he tied the body to a piece of railroad iron and threw it in the Wilmot River along with Slauson's foot, which had rotted. Just can't keep a foot too long in the You know. You need to wrap it in tinfoil so it doesn't get freezer burned. You put it in milk? Is that a thing? Well, I know that's... Well, yeah, okay, but when you lose, like, a thumb or something, they tell you to, like, put on ice, but, like, put it in milk because the calcium will keep it from, like, like, the skin and stuff from starting to, like, deteriorate. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've never cut off a limb. No. Well, I had a friend cut off part of his thumb, but he left it in the garden and decided to not bring it with him to to water it and see <laughs> to grow a thumb. That's how you get zombies. Yeah, right. That's where that that uh, that game plant zombies comes from. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. it's from planting plants versus zombies. There it is. That's funny. The game was dope. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> in March of 1969, Karen Sprinker was abducted at gunpoint by a man dressed in women's clothing. She was taken back to his workshop, where Jerry made her dress in his collection of women's undergarments. He took photos of her and raped her. Mm. He had set up a pulley system so her toes would just barely dangle above the ground. At one point, he had her hanging there and went upstairs to have dinner with his family. When he came back downstairs, Karen was dead. Jerome graduated to necrophilia before cutting off her breasts and making plastic molds of them. He tied her body to a six-cylinder car engine with a nylon cord and threw her in the Willamette 
along with his previous victims. This time, though, some college girls reported a man in drag on top of the parking garage where Karen's car had been abandoned. Apparently, Jerome had a thing for parking garages because soon after disposing of Karen, he found himself in the parking garage at Portland State University. He held student Sharon Wood at gunpoint with a fake gun. She fought like crazy and bit his thumb so hard until he bled. Uh, she said in an interview that she was going through a fear paralysis. Like now she looked back on it and realized that her, like she had lockjaw. Mm. She wasn't, she couldn't yeah. let go of him if she tried. Like her body oh, was man. in so much fear that her jaw locked. And uh, so he knocked her out and then he fled when he saw another car driving up. After that unsuccessful attempt came another when he failed to lure 14-year-old Lane Brumley into his car. In April of 69, Jerry abducted 22-year-old Linda Solly from a shopping mall parking lot. He brought her back to his home, as he had with the others. There, he raped and strangled her to death. This time, he applied an electric current to her body in, this, in a sick reanimation attempt. Seems like he really wanted to play God, in my opinion. Once he tired of her, he tied her body to a car transmission with the same nylon cord as he used in Karen and added her to his collection in the Willamette. But thankfully, it wasn't long before a fisherman came across the body of Linda. Two days later, Karen's body was found just feet away. As all this was going on, Jerry starts calling the dorms at Portland University to get blind dates. Apparently, that was a thing you could do. Uh, by this time, the police were starting to see a pattern in the victim. So they started frequenting the campus and shopping malls and parking lots. Eventually, they got a tip from one of the girls who had gone on a blind date with Jerry. The police ended up questioning him at the dorms, but it didn't lead to an arrest. However, they decided to go do a follow-up at his home, and they noticed a copper wire. It was later determined that it had been cut with the same tool that cut the cords used to tie the bodies. Hmm... So with this evidence, the police were able to obtain a warrant to further search the Brudos' home. Jerry attempts to evade police, but they eventually catch him and begin the interrogation process. It wasn't long before the confessions came pouring out. Mm. On June 28, 1969, Jerry Brudos pled guilty to three counts of first-degree murder for the deaths of Karen Sprinker, Jan Whitney, and Linda Solly. For this, he was given three consecutive life sentences because there was no death penalty in Oregon at the time. Mm-hmm. He did confess to Linda Slauson's murder as well, but was not convicted due to lack of hard evidence. So in the other victims' cases, they had the photos. Um, this one was just a foot. There was no body. So keep in mind, though, like, this was 1969, so they don't really have the means, like, scientifically, they don't have, you know, with all that DNA yet, to prove that that foot belonged to Linda. Mm-hmm. So during this time, a neighbor tries to accuse Darcy, Jerry's wife, of helping him with the murders. They claimed to have seen her help Jerry carry a body out of the garage one night. She was found not guilty, and no charges were brought against her. She divorced Jerry shortly after the verdict. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rudos died in prison on March 28, 2006, from liver cancer. Ha ha. Uh, At the time of his death, he had been incarcerated for 37 years, making him the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. And that is the story of Jerome Brudos, the shoe fetish slayer. So he was one of the guys that um, John Douglas interviewed yeah. when he was creating um, the, the behavioral analysis stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the book, yeah. Mind Hunter, he's also oh, mentioned. Yes, yes, yes. And in the series, which is an amazing series, very good adaptation mm-hmm. of the book, um, there's a scene with him. 
and the character who is um, inspired by John Douglas brings him a shoe <gasps> to get yep. him to talk. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It's interesting. I just, you know, my sick self, I was like, what? Foot in the freezer? What? Hold on. And that's what took me down the rabbit hole. And then I yeah. brought that rabbit hole to you, <laughs> Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. <laughs> Thanks for showing us your hole. Thanks. Anytime. Anytime. Well, ladies, any final sips? The couple things come to mind. Um, so there's a really interesting thing that happens, uh, like a bias about boys liking clothes or shoes or dress up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like uh, also little girls liking boy stuff and mm-hmm. tomboy things. So there's a really interesting bias about that, um, mm-hmm. just through society being like, boys can't. It's like, oh, anyone can do anything. Who cares? Like, let them wear the dress. Um, You kind of create the, like, you talk about fetishes and stuff sometimes. Sometimes, not all the time. I know there's tons of fetish people that, like, get so mad that they get looped in with this stuff. Like, but because they practice it ethically and communicate and all that kind of stuff, consent Mm -hmm. is really important in, like, the name of the game. And a lot of times these things can start because someone got mad at you about doing it, like... When you were a child, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think it's just it's unfortunate. Just let the boy love a shoe, and then if he would have been able to do that, he probably wouldn't have had. Maybe he, you know, it's time we can only ha- we can only talk about it in this sense because it's way after the fact. But like, mm-hmm. you know, if he would have had the shoe, he wouldn't have had the shame. Because, like, shame and guilt is what kind of creates, like, the addiction and the the obsessive-compulsive desire. Because you're like, I can't like this, but I want it. And, oh, my God, it's like an intrusive thought. Do you think that that makes a difference between a healthy version of the fetish and an unhealthy version of the fetish? I believe so. Mm -hmm. I think that if um, it's communicating, it's talking to people that are also a part of the community that can, like, that are very, like open about the rule like rules or just like what the point is and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like there's all these um studies done about the there's a thing in your brain where the pleasure center part of your brain um where your foot the nerve endings there's something with the foot i'll find i'll find the thing that explains it and put it in the show notes where your foot is close to your body parts, your your mm. your sexual organs in this part of your brain. So that's why there's a lot of foot fetishes. Mm. That's why foot fetish uh, is so popular because it is a part of the brain that's really close to like being touched in your crotchal areas. Crotchal <laughs> in your, areas. The in scientific your, term. In yeah. your various crotchals. Yeah. Um <laughs> like your foot the foot nerve endings or whatever the thing it is that like makes the touches the foot and makes it appealing or whatever is it's in that area. Huh. So that's one of the reasons one of the um reasons that is out there why people say that why why foot fetish is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing I was gonna bring up is there's a documentary I've talked about on here before on Netflix called Disclosure. And it's about um, just the trans experience about, like, it, how they're depicted in media and the roles that they don't get, but then, mm-hmm. like, other people get to play those roles and, like, how they're just... It is very tiring that they only get to play, like, someone that's been murdered or is in a struggle. Yeah. They don't just get to go get coffee with friends and have an apartment right. that no one knows how they pay for it. Like, Yeah, I think we're talking about with Norman Bates, right? Yeah. yeah. Very that. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a whole discussion about that, about how um, the the... The villain, if you create, if you make this thing a villain, then it 
creates intrigue. Mm-hmm. It creates like guilt and shame. But like, if you want to look at it, you almost like it wouldn't be a problem if someone just let him have the shoe. Like it would just be like, oh, okay, and set it down instead right. of being this like shameful, terrible, dark thing I have to hide and is only mine. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was what I was gonna like add to your sip is on top of that, like, just the times, right? Because he was born in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, Ugh. his mom at that point, just because this is the horrible thing society was doing to you, uh, mom probably thought that she was saving him from a life of humiliation mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. But it ended up, she did it in such an extreme way that it wasn't even like a, yeah, if you want to play dress up at home, okay. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, at the time, she felt like there would be a, what the happy medium would be there. At that time, um, yeah. Yeah, at that sure. time. Because, like, now a child growing up in this time would probably just be like, cool, you want me to buy you, like, four more pairs? You yeah. look good in those shoes. Do you want them in your size, baby? Like, there are, there it's are a different. Parents. It's just a different world we live in now. So it's just yeah. unfortunate that it took us this long to get here. Yeah. I guess it's And there's, there's still definitely parents out there that are scared, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's I think it's funny because it's, like, the less scary you make it, the more it's a matter right. of fact, like, no one swear cares. Swear words are only swear words because we say they're swear words. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, let the kid... Because if, if it's no big deal, then no one cares. Like, right. then it's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same as, like, when they're like, why does auntie, you know, blah, 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 hang out with auntie, blah, blah, blah? Why do they say that they're roommates? It's because they're married and they're in love. Anyways, yeah. like, let's move on. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's also that idea of, like, you know, when, when a kid falls down and, like, it's they're, not, they're fine, but, like, if a parent freaks out, yeah. they're going to freak out, yeah. right? Because you, you hold it's a lot like of power as a parent. It's like when your dogs bark and you're, you yeah, just like, let them go. You just <laughs> let it go. Because if you don't get excited, then they don't get excited. Down. And a lot <laughs> of times, too, like, as a kid, you're just learning. You're exploring. You're mm-hmm. trying new things. And, like, they may not even end up liking that thing, you know? Right. Just let them try and play and, and figure it out. But if you hold it back... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just going to make it more deeper. of a problem. Yeah, the kids are... They're supposed to be exploring and testing things out and developing who they are as a as a person, as their unique person, because your child is their own person. Yeah, and um, you gotta let them have a little bit of, a little bit of give and take. Give yeah, and take. like definitely, like you know, you want to make sure that they're safe and protected. But what make sure you understand what, like that might mean. You know, d- protecting them from playing with a shoe is different than like you know a gun the, or the knife. That video. The knife. I yeah. got a knife. No. <laughs> Being a parent is hard. I mean, I'm not a parent. I'm an animal parent. So, like, it's very different. And I can't imagine, like, what it goes through. And I help out with my nephew sometimes. But, like, being a parent is, is, a, is a really, really great, beautiful job, you know? And, and there's a lot of things that go into it. There's a lot of beautiful books written about things that you can you can look into, especially if there's, like, trauma or whatever it is. There's beautiful resources. And I, I admire all the, the wonderful parents out there. And, and we've heard back from some really great people, too, talking about this stuff, and it's great to talk about. And unfortunately for Jerry, his mom, you know, she, I mean, she did what she thought was best at the time. And unfortunately, it turned into something really negative. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunate mm-hmm. because, yeah, like, it is just so sad to pe- see people be afraid of nail polish. Like, yeah. right? or oh, like a doll. doll. Like, like, yeah, or like a doll. Like, yeah. it's just, a, like, I get it. I understand the scary so implication. Scary. And, like, being a parent is also a little part of it is that you have so much control and agency over a child until a certain point when they start making their own choices Mm -hmm. and I can see having a lot of there's a lot of parents have 
big dreams for their kids and they really want them to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that you like gestated and created this child or adopted or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. You have these, these expectations that you just got to be able to be open to flexibility because it may not be what you want and it could still be something awesome. Like, you know, yeah, it's about guiding and helping versus like forcing a thing on, on someone. It's a lot of pressure on you. It's a lot of pressure on them. You know, we just talked about Harold Shipman and his mom was like, you're special. You're going to be special. You can only hang out with these people because you're going to be special. You know, that didn't, didn't do very well. (laughs) I could have gone on like, because I, I, it's unfortunate that people kind of take, they, they, feel like it's a limiting thing and I'm like this guy could have gone on to literally make like Louboutins like he could have literally Mm -hmm. gone on to make millions of dollars off of shoes if you have a kid that's really into fashion like you could have a child that could really do something incredible with that like if Mm -hmm. you just kind of I get it's not what you wanted the basketball player you wanted the football player like I get it or you wanted the ballerina and this ballerina wants to work on cars she could literally be the next like te- you Henry know, Ford. Like, yeah, she could. Yeah. Hopefully not, because Henry Ford was a Nazi. No, I know. I mean, was a Nazi, and not you know, but definitely somebody that helped create the technology mm-hmm. for the cars mm-hmm. and stuff. Like yeah. you just don't know what you could be limiting by. My brain was like, who test? No, they all suck. No, God, they all suck. They all suck. All bad. But yeah, a child is their own individual human. Yeah. And you can have goals and ideas for them and that's great. But also remember they are their own little human. It sucks to go through that, man. It must suck to like have all these expectations to literally be like, I've had to clothe you and feed you and do everything and now you're kind of going against. I totally see that. That's gotta be hard. And there's harder shit to deal with like there's mm-hmm. there's there's more important things you could be helping like if this kid is dealing with this at home you can only imagine what's like at school and give yeah. them a soft place to land please yeah. and also that like helps helps you both out again right takes the pressure off of both of you because that's a lot of pressure on you too as oh, like the parent fair. trying to do that i can only imagine um but yeah it's hard my final sip is don't sell things door to door yeah. Also that. <laughs> don't do, do that. Do not go door to door. Don't do, do that. Not sell door to door. Don't answer from both- the door from people who go sell things door to door. I no. am a recently uh, new homeowner, and the amount of people that have come to my house Ugh, to, to sell solar. things, it's a lot of solar, I don't answer the door. Yeah. And if I do answer the door, I go, hi, no thank you, I do a true crime podcast, bye! And I <laughs> trespassing we're tired of hiding the bodies <laughs> we really legitimately have one of those and it's great i love that so far it's only kind of worked but you know i like it I that's like it. that's interesting yeah um did you guys just i know this is a little bit of a tangent but i'm so interested did you guys have those encyclopedia books that like the big oh like, yeah the case, collections yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The world People books would, like so yep People like that. The or back in the no, day. No, we did. Oh my god, we did. Yeah, JK, I did. I love totally it. did. Totally because we didn't have that. We didn't have Google when we were little. No. We yeah, we like, had all the books and all the dictionaries. Like, oh, I'm gonna look up this part in the encyclopedia mm-hmm. and then write a whole freaking report about it. Being a 19 years old and selling an encyclopedia, because you're not only just selling, because they try to just sell you one, and that way you have to keep coming back and sell the rest of them. Right, oh, you only have an A. Yeah, so. You're gonna need B. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, guys, there's a Friends episode like that, because uh, I think it's Penn of Penn and Teller mm-hmm. is the guy selling the encyclopedias, and Joey can only afford to buy, like, one of them. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you need, like. 25. 
That's very funny. That's so very funny. Very funny. Oh, encyclopedia tangent. Um, <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us, Amanda. Thank you for that story. Yeah. Yes. That was amazing. So great and terrible. Um, this is great. I'm just so excited to be back. Yeah, so I'm excited to be back. Yes. Beans. Ladies and beans. My beans. Yes. My beanie babies. Beanie babies. Beanie babies. Oh, well, thank you for joining us for another wonderfully terrible episode of Morning Murders. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. Remember to stop by every Monday for a new episode. And you can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, Please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram at Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear discussed around the breakfast nook, email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank, Thank you, you for listening! Stickers, look out for our stickers. We put so many stickers at Evil Pie. Uh, okay, you no. put like four stickers. Okay, That's great. I love it. it. They need to know. Yeah. They need to know. Why do I see the sticker everywhere? What is it? Oh. Oh. Look at it. Want to hear about some weird shit? I do want to hear about Amanda. some weird shit. Amanda. 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 Nicola. Nicola. I want to see the baby. Benjamin the dog. Are you going to snore during my episode, buddy? You can't, or you have to leave. You have to leave. And now for something completely different. Yeah. And now for something completely different. Merdia. Merdia. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Bjorg. Cybjorg. Bjorg? Like Bjork? Bjork. Bjorg? Bjorg. Life is better in me sweater. Sweater love. Every yes. now and then I so put a sweater on and it's really fucking warm. Sweater love. <laughs> Putting on a sweater fresh. on my body and also on the dog and also the cat. Sweater love. <laughs> Everyone's wearing sweaters or else I'm gonna make sure you die. Wear a fucking sweater cause it's cold outside. Bitch, it's really fucking cold. Sweater love. Sweaters. Put on your fucking sweater now. <laughs> Fucking cozy now. <laughs> All right. Ben and I are like, what the? F- yeah. What's <laughs> happening? Ben loves ben, it. Ben, they like our sweaters. They love I think that's what we're getting out of this conversation. I think all the cases have different glasses in them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, fashion. I don't have a problem. What is? <laughs> <laughs> she said <laughs> to herself. These are fancy. Stupid. Doesn't no, matter. I like them. They're, no. they're cool. Hey, Ben, you look like nice you should flat. be sitting. Those kind of glasses. I have a, a blue pair like that, and I just feel like I should be sitting Get on it. Yeah, <laughs> like sitting on a runway somewhere. I'm Meryl Streep, and disagree. Yeah. I'm Meryl Streep. This is my seat. Ben. Ben. <laughs> I'm gonna do a perpetual headstand on that thing while you're doing it. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Can I it's do my episode from a handstand? <laughs> if you desire to do that, I think I would that. be more comfortable, yes. I love it. I do believe I would be more comfortable, please. I love it. Do you love it so much? Why would you marry it? <laughs>
Maybe I will. Okay. And you can perform the service. I will. You can. I will. You can. If I ever had to take math again, <laughs> it would burn the whole university, the whole campus, and set it on fire. <laughs> I know you feel the same way, Brenda. I am fucking... I would, uh... I would do a lot of terrible things to get out of doing math. I've done a lot of terrible things to get out of doing math. <laughs> it's fucking worth it. And we're gonna write a podcast about it. Yeah, that's the whole... <laughs> What'd you do to get out of math? Have you ever heard of the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who? Yeah. What? He was just trying to get away from a really terrible math test. Oh. That he didn't study for. You just got for. really out of hand. Yeah. Just, once you start, you can't stop. Yep. Once you pop, yep. <laughs> you can't stop. It's like a lie that just keeps spiraling. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, you're the Zodiac, you're the Zodiac Killer. Before you know it, yeah. It's just the Zodiac. That's what happens to the best of us. The best? And of worst. us and worst. Um, you this. The lip. Sorry, fucked it up for everybody. <laughs> In our show notes, I need to read it once all out. Okay. I had the same thing. I was like, "Thank you for listening." Oh, God. <laughs> thank you to listening with your ear holes on okay. the morning murders. Okay, the morning murders. <clears throat> if you enjoyed listening, <laughs> if you enjoyed it, then fucking marry it. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> why don't you marry us? I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um. <laughs> so cute. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Oh my god, I love it. Did I spell it right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I don't even trust myself reading it. <laughs> so much, oh my god. god. I got was an out of body experience. I did it right? Right? I, did it right. Right? I think so. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> Just like how we do for morning murders. <laughs> She was taken back to his garage slash work slop. Work slop? (laughs) (laughs) Work slop. Shit slop. Shit slap. All right. She was taken back to his garage slash work shop. That's really hard to (laughs) say. Garage slash work shop. Yeah, that's that's a a good one. Garage slash. (laughs) That's the new one. Workshop slash slash workshop. Okay. She was taken back to his. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> back to his lair. Fucking Thomas out. The garage, the carport, the carport, the parkade. What our Canadian friends say. Okay, season two, murder two. <laughs> Take one, mark, mark and mark, and rolling. Action.